Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, I had a good summer with my bees. I came into the spring with two healthy hives, and I'm going into winter with four. My hives doubled, which is great, but the road to getting there was a little stressful. I'm a newer beekeeper. I've been a failed beekeeper a number of different times, but this is the longest I've kept bees, and and. As I tried to manage them under the direction of my friend Dan, I still wasn't able to get it quite right. And so these bees at certain points in the summer decided, we want to swarm off. We want to go somewhere. We want to grow. We want to, you know, fly. And so I get a phone call from Tennille, and she would say, you know, usually around 1130, just as I was thinking about coming home for lunch, she'd say, the bees are swarming. And I don't know if you've ever heard bees swarm, but my goodness, it's like a freight train running through the yard. It's this incredibly loud sound as the bees come out of their hives, pour out of their hives, having made the decision to take the queen and go. And so I'd come home and I spent a couple of different lunch hours and a few weekends chasing down swarms that had landed not far in our yard one time in our neighbors, but climbing up, waiting till they're in a clump, banging them down into a box, and then rehoming them in a new hive, a new colony. Well, that's how I grew my hives this year, and it was incredibly stressful, but I learned along the way. Maybe how to manage them a bit better so they don't swarm, but also I learned how bees just naturally multiply. That as they're growing and they're healthy, as they're vibrant, there's a certain point in their natural life where they say, well, There's enough of us here, or not enough room for us to move around. Let's go and find a new home. So some of them will swarm off and find a new place to live and survive and thrive. And of course, this is natural. This is the way that bees not only multiply and expand, but ultimately survive as a species. Because even if one colony eventually gets sick or dies... Maybe in their lifespan, they've spawned off a number of other hives and colonies. And so in that sense, there's still bees to live, to pollinate, to thrive. What I've learned is that there's a sense in which bees, when they're growing, are always going. Now, as beekeepers, of course, we try to manage that so that they go in the right direction, so that they go with the growth that we want. But there's something natural there about their growing and they're going. And we discover that, and we discover in that something about us as a church, something beautiful, something unique, that that which is growing is always going. Well, in this Reimagine series, we've been focusing a lot on how we are growing, how we are marking out the rhythms and the relationships that enable us to grow as God intended. And we've been working together to develop what is called a rule of life, which is like a trellis on which our lives can grow, or a structure on which we can hang the parts of our lives that are really important, important to us, important to God, so that we can make sure that they're getting the attention 
that matters so that we can make sure that we're healthy and pursuing the life that God has for us. And I know over the last couple of weeks, I've given you a lot of homework, a lot of reflection, a lot of reimagination, a lot of response. And so today, while I think we'll still be challenging, it's going to be a lot simpler. We're going to look at how to reimagine our mission in terms of the natural multiplication of what's already been growing in us. The work of God that's being done in us, how does that then go out and influence others? Because as it is with bees, I think, so it is with, with us. What is growing is going. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our hearts and minds today, that we'd be ready to reimagine your mission and how that impacts us in very practical, real ways. May we be ready to respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's look into the ministry of Jesus and see how this might help us reimagine our mission. In Matthew chapter 9, toward the end, in the New Living Translation, we read these words, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. We notice that Jesus pursued his father's mission in three primary ways, and these show up all over the four gospel accounts. Jesus taught, Jesus preached or announced, and Jesus healed. Preaching, teaching, healing. And his heart, in this case, is so broken by this crowd of hurting and confused and hopeless people that have been following him that he then challenges his closest followers to pray. To pray that more people would come who would do more of what he was already doing. Jesus, in that sense, is saying, pray for more teachers who will help people know who God is and and what he's doing in the world, and what it means to live in his kingdom. He was calling his disciples to pray for more preachers or announcers who would help people respond to this new and life-changing thing that God was doing through Jesus. He was asking them to pray for more people who could make God's love real and tangible, especially in the places where people's lives had been hurt and ruined by sin and suffering. You see, Jesus knew that his father's mission required multiplication. He knew that in order for people to discover all that God was doing and wants to do through Jesus, more must go. Well, that's at the end of the chapter, chapter 9, and often actually where we stop, but it's not the end of the story. Because you see, Jesus then goes on to do something that's incredibly significant, something critical that we need to catch as a church, as Jesus' followers. See, Jesus, who commands his disciples to pray for more workers, he then goes on to answer that prayer by activating his disciples' 
as workers. Listen to how the story continues. It's absolutely seamless at the beginning of chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. And then verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Uh, Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Talk about a quick answer to prayer, hey? Jesus, who then commands them to pray, immediately answers it. Jesus knows that the only way his Father's mission is going to be accomplished is if more of his people are activated in to his Father's mission. And so he takes his disciples. These are his apprentices. These are this group of young men who've been learning along with Jesus, have been watching him at work, have been seeing him heal blind eyes. They've been watching him cast out demons. They've been listening to the announcement that the kingdom of God is near over and over again now for months. And now he sends them out with the authority to replicate what he's already been doing. Yes, it's their first time out. And Jesus gives them some pretty strict parameters like you would for anyone who's just learning a new job. He tells them where to go, where not to go. He tells them what to do and what not to do. And if you're interested in how detailed those instructions get, you can read that in chapter 10. But the point is this. Jesus knows that his father's work depends on the multiplication of his workers. It has to happen. There's no mission without multiplication. Which is why when Jesus does finally finish his work of teaching and preaching and healing and then goes to the cross to fully demonstrate the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the power of God by dying and then rose again from the dead, he then, at the very end of the story of Matthew, repeats again essentially what he's done here in chapter 10. He activates his followers into the mission He activates them for multiplication. Famously, it's called the Great Commission. But this time, when Jesus says this, there's no parameters. There's no restrictions. It's not just go here, just don't do that. It's go everywhere. There's a carte blanche command to go and to grow so that all who are growing are going. Right at the end of Matthew, chapter 28, We read this, that after resurrection, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus, all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a lot we can unpack in that. And of course, that's been done many times. But I want you to notice how growing and going are paired together. That new disciples are made, and they're taught about this following Jesus' life 
And at the very same time, they are also activated to continue making new disciples. New disciples who grow and go and make new disciples who grow and go, who make new disciples who grow and go. There's a DNA that's transferred here, and the going and the growing and the growing and the going are always happening together. That Jesus' mission continues through multiplication. Now, for anyone who has followed Jesus for any length of time, this is old news. We've heard this. We know this. The Great Commission, we call it. It's like Christianity 101. Go make disciples. Churches have it on their walls. We would sort of spout it from our lips. And yet, the truth is, it can remain kind of theoretical. It can remain an idea, or worse yet, maybe an ideal But it often hasn't hit the ground in very everyday, normal, um, intentional, scheduled, practical ways in the life of a man or a woman or a teenager who follows Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It can just kind of be the thing we say we all do, but don't actually do. And that can be true of us individually. It can be true of us as at church. And this, my friends, is where we need some reimagination. Now, before we get to that, let me just address those of us who are exploring faith, those of us who are new to this and aren't even sure yet about Jesus. Hear me right. When this invitation comes to follow Jesus and discover all he is, what you need to know is this. The kind of thing that God wants to do in you isn't just for you. It's actually so that through you, others can also discover hope and life and freedom. It's not about walking around thumping people with a Bible. It's not about forcing people to believe something. It's not about being the moral police. None of that. It's about realizing that God has done something so amazing for us in Jesus that I don't want to hold it to myself. That in fact, Jesus has called me to help others discover that too. Wherever we're at, the call for us to reimagine is there. So, my question is, what would it look like for you and I to actually take this multiplication mission of Jesus so seriously that we then see it starting to crop up, be scheduled, find its way into the rhythms and relationships of our rule of life? where it actually starts cropping up in our weekly schedule. It starts to get fleshed out in our day to day. It's just part of our normal life, the growing and the going. And so I actually want to get super practical. I'm going to lead you through the three R's that I've been using during each one of these series where we reflect together, we reimagine, and respond. I encourage you to pull out some paper and write these questions down, because while I'm not going to overload you like I did last week, there will still be some process for you to continue to keep building on this rule of life. When I think of reflection, I immediately want to ask you to to, to, to reflect who in your past has helped you grow and go. In other words, who's the person? Could be a parent, could be a youth leader, could be a coach or a friend, could be an uncle or a brother who helped you grow in your understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, helped you grow 
in your own life as a person, but also helped activate you into ministry, helped you discover your gifts, brought you alongside and helped you learn something or worked together with you on something. Or maybe there was a a time or a season in your life where you can remember clearly who it was that helped you grow and go. Who was that? Can you remember? Was there someone? Some of us, maybe there wasn't. We struggle to think about that. And as a result, actually, even imagining what that might look like in our lives now is a bit tricky, but it's important to recognize that. Because that might mean we actually have to dig in a bit deep and figure some of those things out that weren't naturally taught to us. It doesn't mean we can't. It just might represent something we need to address. But who in your past has helped you? Who might that be? And further to that reflection, I invite you to consider, what is the connection between growing and going in your own life? I mean, just think of some of the things we talked about last week, areas in our life of growth. Um, whether that be our uh, you know, practical wisdom or whether that be some of the personal ways we grow or whether that be in our relationship with God or our relationships with others. But what's the connection between the growth that God is bringing in your life and this going to others to help them with the same? I invite you to maybe journal on that. Reflect on that, because seeing that connection is really, really important. As you continue to reflect, I invite you to ask this question. Who have you been helping to grow and go? In other words, who has God called you to serve, to encourage, to activate Maybe to bring alongside you and, and uh, learn along with you. But as you're nurturing and encouraging them and empowering them, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're seeing the work of God in them and you're, you're encouraging them to, to flourish and to serve and to, to find the, the places that God has called them to do the same. Who is that in your life? Can you name them? Can you think of them now? The truth is, and I don't say this harshly in the slightest, I say this in the spirit of just transparency and honesty. The truth is, most of us, we actually don't have that person. Don't get me wrong. There's people we have encouraged. There's people that we walk alongside. I, I'm not, I, we love and serve sometimes many people in our lives. But if we were to be honest and say, who have I been investing my life into so that they can grow and go? Many of us, even as followers of Jesus, would have to say, I'm not sure there is one person. Maybe there is, but for some of us, I know that's actually a bit of a challenge because when we think about this mission of Jesus, when we think about his command to make disciples, sometimes we've kept it up at that 30,000-foot level. But as a result, we haven't actually seen it come right down into our daily schedule. Who am I helping find and follow Jesus? Who am I helping flourish in Christ? Who am I helping grow and go? What's their name? Now, this isn't a guilt thing. This is a beautiful challenge because at this moment, for you and I, there is an incredible thing that's happening right now where the Holy Spirit is able to take this question and activate you in a new way. To maybe take 
the fact that ministry and mission had become some thing we do as opposed to some one that we empower. Now, I know there's lots of things that we do in ministry, of course. But often we've thought about ministry and mission in terms of things and projects and stuff. When at its heart, it's about people being activated, empowered, encouraged, growing and going. And so right here, right now, there's a beautiful moment the Holy Spirit wants to use for each one of us and for us as a church. He wants to help us help shift our thinking to reimagine our life in terms of a person with a name that he's calling us to invest our life into so they can grow and go and invest their life into someone else while we turn and pay attention to someone else. You see, the multiplication happening. That's all reflection for us that sets us up to reimagine. What are we to reimagine? Very simply this. What would it look like for multiplication to be a normal part of your life? What would it look like for you to always be helping someone grow and go? Step back and just imagine for a moment, you, wherever you're at, a young mom, a newly retired grandfather, someone who's working in a trade, someone who's going to school, where you know on any given week you're plus one. The person that God has called you at that moment to pray for, to encourage, to get together and, and, and find out how they're doing and, and then bring them along in what you're doing and as you serve others, you're plus one. Begin to reimagine that. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see your life given over to multiplication, to helping people, helping one person grow, and go. What would that look like? What would it look like for you? The Holy Spirit knows what it would look like. (laughs) And it gets him really excited because the Holy Spirit knows that the way people are enfolded into the heart and desire of God for them is exactly in this way. This is how it's always happened. This is how it's happened for 2,000 years. The mission of Jesus requires multiplication. And you and I, we sit back and we are so thankful for that. But we've often tried to outsource that multiplication. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I planned it so that every single follower of mine would be activated to help people grow and go. So what would it look like? Can you reimagine that? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that. So you would know every day who it is he's called you to help grow and go. And out of that reimagination, we now respond. This is where we get down to brass tacks. This is where we get down to the rule of life itself. The schedule the relationships. We've done some work to think about the rhythms 
of our life, the things that show up in our week, in our month, in our year. We've done some work to identify the key relationships in your life. But now, the Holy Spirit is calling us to reimagine one more. One more key relationship that shows up in one more key place in our calendar. And that is the plus one. The woman, the man, the teenager, the young adult, who God is calling you to help grow and go. So who is Jesus inviting you to consider, to take on, to invest in? I firmly believe that he is calling you to someone. It'd be easy for us to let this bounce off, to think it's for the pastor, or it's for people who are more mature, or it's for people who know more, or people who are more stable. We can make a whole bunch of offloading excuses, but the truth is, Jesus said, I have all authority, and I'm telling you to go do this, and so the command is given to us all. Jesus has someone that he wants you to help grow and go. Who's it going to be? So the first challenge in responding is that you actually start to think and pray and look around and decide who's it going to be. Who's it going to be? I want to invite you into some key practices that will help you here. This is all under response, and it all comes down to getting really honest and really clear so that it doesn't stay a theory at the 30,000-foot level, but so that this actually gets down onto your rule of life and into your calendar. So the first question is to take as your key practice, I should say, key practice in response, would be that you actually take this prayer of Jesus about praying for more workers, and you pray it. But you are praying at the same time as you're praying for more workers, you're praying that Jesus would activate you as a worker, that you would respond to this call into his harvest. There's a lot of people around us who are hurting, who are confused, very similar to the time of Jesus. And his response to them was compassion and activation. So pray. Pray this prayer at the end of Matthew chapter 9. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest that he send more workers and then be ready to be an answer to that prayer. So we start with prayer. The second is that you start to have uh, Dave Ferguson calls them I-C-N-U. The letters I-C-N-U. You have an I-C-N-U conversation with people around you. As you begin to see something that God has placed in their life, you begin to see insight. You begin to see compassion. You begin to see a gift that's there, maybe just in seed form, but it's there. You begin to notice the work of God or the call of God or the gifting of God in the life of someone around you. Prayerfully, using the Spirit's discernment, but then you begin to speak it. You say to someone, I really see in you a heart for children. I really see in you a heart for those who've been treated unfairly. I really see in you a heart for God's Word and, and people taking that into their lives and experiencing transformation. Whatever it is, this is a beautiful practice. I see in you conversations. They begin to activate people. 
They begin to inspire their growth and their going. And so I invite you to begin prayerfully to look around. What do you see going on in the lives of those around you? And when the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, speak it out. Because through that, the Holy Spirit can activate people, can activate you. I-C-N-U. Conversations. And then the third key practice for this is a simple invitation to join you. To join you. Hey, I see in you uh, that you really have a heart to serve. Would you come along with me when we help these people move? I see in you a real heart to, to, to see God's people worshiping. Would you like to join my worship team with me? You begin to have this join me conversation. You invite them into your life. But it's more than just doing stuff together. It's beginning to walk together. It's beginning to say, how can I help you grow? How can I support you? How can I activate you? How can I empower you into what God has for you? So that at some point, you can send them and you both go and help others grow too. Add that then to your rule of life. That's the final response of each one of these messages in this series is that we'd actually put it on the ground. That as you identify who, maybe what, that it makes it into your Tuesday evening schedule. Friday morning breakfast. Sunday afternoon hike. There's a way in which this plus one, this one person that God is calling you to help grow and go, then shows up in your weekly, monthly schedule. Shows up in your daily prayer. Shows up as you're thinking about, oh, I just read this scripture. I'm going to share it with them. Shows up in practical, tangible, concrete, everyday, normal Christian ways. Because we're all called to help people grow and go. But to move it from the 30,000 foot level down onto the ground, it's got to show up in our rule of life. It's got to show up in our schedule. Listen, as a church, if we would all be pouring our lives into just one person, if the 50, the 100, the 150, maybe still even 200 people who call Erickson Covenant Church home, if we were to take this call of Jesus seriously and say, who's my plus one, Jesus Who's the one person that you're calling me to grow and help go this year? I'm telling you, friends, it would have an incredibly transformative effect, not only on their lives, but on yours too. And us as a community, we would see multiplication. We would see swarms. We would see thriving going on. Because the more people who are activated into the mission, the more people who are growing and going, the more people are discovering the hope and the life and the transformation of Jesus Christ. Those who are growing are going. This is a beautiful thing. It's how God has designed his mission to work. This is how confused and helpless crowds still find and follow Jesus and flourish in all that he has for them. Listen, as I already mentioned at the beginning, there's an incredible sound when the hive swarms. And though this work that we're called into of helping others grow and go rarely makes a sound, 
that is noticeable you know, outside the yard, as it were. I want to let you know that the buzz of this kind of multiplication reverberates through the heavens. That God, our Father, that Jesus, our brother, that the Spirit who is with us always is rejoicing every time a new disciple is made, a new disciple is growing, a disciple is going yet again to find someone more. Let's reimagine mission. Let's reimagine multiplication. Let's reimagine what God wants to do through each one of us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you activate us now? Would you help every one of us prayerfully discern one person that we are going to invest our hearts and lives and prayer into, helping them grow and go. Clear away the distractions, Lord, the hesitation, the excuses, all the reasons we can lay up to somehow ignore this. Would you deal with that in our hearts and minds? Would you give us the courage and the passion to lean in to your mission. Lord Jesus, lead us. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.